Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. What you're listening to is This is Life Between Lives with uh, Natasha Venter and Regan Forston and myself, Kevin McDonald, and we are live on YouTube. So if you want to give us a call and talk to Natasha and uh, who will blow your socks off and probably other pieces of clothing. And uh, um, <laughs> trying to keep it legal here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, or you can talk to Regan and uh, um, you do that by calling 206. 206- 408-1395. Yes, this is a live call-in show. So, and it only works when you, you know, I don't know, call in. That's that when it works, is when it works best. Now, but the two of you, and you don't know what I'm going to talk about at this moment, because what we do here is we talk about life between lives. And we talk about what happens to us on the other side and uh, all of the things that go with that. Now, I have got a question for you two uh, that has been bothering me all week. And that is, now last week, we had the opportunity, for those of you who don't know, my brother passed away like three weeks ago now. And uh, Natasha uh, was pretty clear that she couldn't get a hold of him or last week. And I was thinking to myself, you know, when people pass and they have a certain belief structure when they pass, as an example, my, my brother was a fundamentalist Christian. So therefore, in his frame of reference, he thought that he was going to heaven because of what he'd done on earth and who had, and th- that he was a good Christian man and so forth. I, and I was curious to know what your guys' take on this is. When he got to the other side and he discovered that everybody gets to go there and that we are all together and we are all one, did he stop and go, now, wait a minute. I spent my whole life believing that I was going to go someplace special. And are you telling me my stupid-ass brother's going to come here too? <laughs> Well, did that make him, did that make him angry? And is it a, a matter of of when they get there, they they and it's not how they perceived it here in life. Uh, Regan, you can go first. While Natasha taps into the other side, um, okay. did he? Do you think that 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 people that are in that frame of mind actually get angry and are thinking that this isn't the way it? it I thought it was going to be, and so they're unhappy with it. To start with, um, <laughs> that changes after time. But to start with, yeah, I actually, I, I don't know. I think it could be a combination of everything. Some souls, um, from um, my experience of talking to people, like if they're mixed up or they have a certain religion in this life, when they get to the other side, that all kind of goes away because then they realize they just were incarnated in that life for that experience, and then they're they're back to their higher self, and they they just realize it. But other people, I don't know if I say less evolved or whatever. I know um, 
a lot of times you get the other side, there's a bit of confusion and it takes them a while to um, get used to the other side and to kind of, you know, to kind of come out of a fog in a way. Uh, and it, it, in that moment, they, um, you know, I mean, some people expect to see, you know, God or, you know, whatever they has been and programmed in their mind, sometimes that carries on with them. So they either expect to see Jesus or God or, or, the, or hell or whatever it is that they're expecting. But the fog slowly kind of clears up as they have people or angels, guides working with them. And then they finally uh, realize everything's okay. Because um, we've had people momentarily, they'll think they see the devil or something. But when, when they, uh, we have them go closer and examine it, it's always, uh, you know, an angel or something of light. So it takes a bit for to wake up. Natasha probably has a good idea of this because she, you know, talks to people uh, on the other side and probably knows. So what do you, what do you think of Natasha? She well, from my people. understanding is, is that, um, and I'm actually tapping into my dad right now and angels and stuff like that. So um, what I'm getting is, is that since nobody goes home alone and that... <coughs> someone is in a I'm going to call it a simpler life you know they only are here to <laughs> need to learn they're not necessarily here to um, become more uh, like for me and I'm going to use me as an example on this path my soul in other paths I've always done the spiritual walk uh, I've had a couple where I've been just religious yes but uh, there's been like this one here, I've been really looking at many different lives. I've been doing a lot of work, internal work. I've been doing it for others, but at the same time, as I do for others, I need to do for myself. And so with that, going through those different lives, I know for me, I'll be more of a, um, a quicker transition. My dad was a quicker transition because he had more of those um enlightenments i'm going to call them for transitioning to the other side where my mom a religious methodist you know she was very enlightened for being the religious woman that she was and so she went through a little bit more of a one-on-ones going through and we've talked about this before on this you know on this show so when like i told um kevin last week that on um, life clarifications that he wasn't where I could reach him quickly. It was because he was kind of in a class, I would call it, or he was away getting the, the, the reasons. But yet at the same time, I know he's spending time with Kevin's mom, you know, and doing work. So it's not like he's not available, but I would say that there's um, the visits are going to be more, um, uh, what I'm, the word is um, poignant, you know, um, and lovingly said, you know, your mom's closer to going than staying. And so with that, that, that he's actually kind of helping her prep for that moment, you know, by spending a little bit more time with her. I'm not going to say that's around the corner, but I'm going to say it's not necessarily not around the corner. Well, she is um, 90 after all. Yeah, exactly. And so with that, that, that I feel like she's on this shorter time. 
So with that, that he's going to actually be somebody who can help her transition over because he's closer to that moment and being in the same religion base that they are, that, that he can kind of go, well, mom, you know, and, but I know for a certain factor that there are certain angels, certain helpers, I'm going to call them not always angels, but certain helpers that help certain, uh, soul types, coming out of, oh, that's a better word, soul type, coming out of this lifetime. You know, there's more, you know, there's different, the soul types. There's ones that had to be Hitler. So there's certain helpers for that. There's certain people that had to be um, presidents and, and do that work. There's certain helpers that do the, you know, there's different realms that help different beings go across over. And and so your brother just, he's, he's just, you know, he went through that, oh, and then there's the whisper. I see the whispering in the ear and it's like, oh, okay. You know, it's almost that quick. You know, it's, it, it, he might have had the angst at the very beginning, but I can tell you the whispers were just as quick in his ear. Well, you see, well, we, had this, ear we have energetically. <laughs> we, we had this conversation many times and he was like, you know, you're going to go to hell because of what, you know, who you are and stuff. So I can just imagine him because he was a, we were competitive with each other. I can just imagine him getting the other side and saying, what the hell do you mean? He's coming here. Uh, he doesn't deserve <laughs> to be here. I was better than he was and, and, and stuff. So I'm glad to know that maybe that's, he but that's the fit. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, sorry for interrupting here, okay. but at the same time though, we got to remember that, that, that a lot of that is the physical mind. Right. And the physical mind doesn't go with us. Memory of the physical mind goes with us, but the physical mind doesn't go with us. It stays with the body. And so there's a lot of that, that stigma that's in our mental mind that, that doesn't transition over to the spiritual being that we are. Gotcha. Gotcha. Regan, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think I think um, what she's saying is 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 right on. Um, <clears throat> when I have people, you know, when people go to a past life and then they see themselves pass away and then they're in that spot in between, you know, where they go, you know, um, I, I find it mostly um, very similar with everybody. <clears throat> in other words, they turn around. There's either a um, a guide there or an angel, however they interpret it, or just beings of light, or uh, a lot lately, instead of them seeing people in physical form, I've had people, my clients mostly just see like, at first they go, wow, there's a bunch of stars here. Mm -hmm. And um, because, and then I, I usually I'll say, well, which is there one that's shining brighter than the others? And they'll usually say, yeah, oh yeah, there's one over here and it's brighter. And I'll say, well, just float over towards that and then as they get closer or something then they go oh uh that's so and so or you know like it could be a relative but more likely it's usually a guide um or they'll see them as they, sometimes they're just in this energy form and then i'll i'll just have them uh with their thoughts just uh start communicating with that energy and then we find out that it is you know a guy we will say is this your guide you know so yes, and we'll ask, can we, what was your name? We can call you, you know, and a lot of times they'll give us a name or something. And then from that point, sometimes they morph into um, 
kind of half energy and half human form. Uh, you know, sometimes they just will change. My client will just say, well, they, uh, now I can see them in body form, you know, but um, <clears throat> it's different with everybody, but there's always, if it's um, one time there was someone just saw like, they thought it was the sun uh, that they were seeing. And then <clears throat> I had them go closer to that. And they kind of entered the, what they, their human mind was saying was like the sun. It was just this energy and they realized they were back to the source where they just went home all the way. You know, they didn't, you know, they're just experiencing them. Just love this beingness is energy in the middle of it, like a giant sun, you know, and some people call that, they say, well, I'm, now I'm home. So um, that's kind of interesting too, where it seems like some people kind of bypass heaven or this, this place we found where people go and they just go, you know, right to the energy source, you know, and they just, they just go, it just feels like, they're home, you know, they, like they don't want to leave. <laughs> that feels so good. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And uh, one of the reasons why we're doing this show is that uh, you, you're both are familiar with Alex Trebek, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. He just passed, didn't he? Yes, he did yesterday. And uh, they were playing some clips of him. And the, the two that stuck in my mind, one was that uh, he felt like well, first of all, he said, you know, anybody that says that I haven't lived a good long life, I'm 79 years old. I've had a wonderful life and I'm prepared for to go what's happening next. And that's really what I want people to get out of this <coughs> podcast is that we want people to understand that it's okay. They don't have to be fearful of what happens next because what happens next is always good. It's, it's, uh, you get to, it's, it is what you describe as going home. Yeah. And uh, we're just kind of visiting here and we get to go home and, and see our loved ones and see how everything's progressing and, and stuff. That, 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 that is he. So when he passed away, he was not in fear at all uh, that he was dying. He knew it and it was okay. And uh, that was, that was a, from my standpoint, if we can convince, not convince, but if we can shed some light on that for everyone so that they can feel like they're going home, that it's okay. Yeah. Was it like a few weeks or a month before when you talked to him, was he kind of apprehensive at that point? And then he came, he slowly came to this uh, acceptance and that it was okay. Or was he always like, you know, cause he kind of knew he was in there and on his way out and did you see him go through a process of being afraid and then all of a sudden being calm and resolved to it or was he always okay with it my brother yeah oh no he he was convinced because he was a special child of god that god was going to save him okay god was going to heal him and so when God didn't heal him and it got worse, he got really, really irritated with God oh. because he really wanted, uh, he felt like, see, this is what he, this is what he wanted. This is what his dream was. He was going to, he, he had stage four cancer uh, for those who don't know. And so what he wanted to do was for God to heal him. He was then going to get into a minivan and go and evangelize around the Western United States about how God healed him and, and so forth and so on. So it oh. disrupted his plan in a big way when he would not only wasn't healed, but it wasn't until three or four days before he passed that he felt he reached some sort of accommodation. Yeah. 
and uh, and I don't know that he ever. And then, because even though he reached this accommodation, he still fought like hell because he was scared of what was going to happen on the other side. I think. Yeah. And that's that's what I want people to get away from is the fear that they the, of death and the, what happens on the other side. Of course, you know that's easy for us to say sitting here because we don't yeah. have a time stamp on our the bottom of our foot yet. Mm-hmm. We get to, we get to choose that. Um, but uh, it, <clears throat> Natasha, you're looking up at the at the your, Well, my ears are ringing. The, my the, the, my ears ringing <laughs> as we're talking. Oh, answer, okay, what's going on? Answer your ear. My direct like uh, information line here. So sorry, I'm like tapping into what they're saying here. <laughs> Can you share? Well, so what what they were saying is is that there's all you know, no matter how enlightened you are, or how fearful you are, there's always this process of grief to go. Like my dad, you know, he's he's helping you know go through this because. My, my father was one that he had no question about where he was going. He knew he wasn't going to live long, but he did go through some, damn it, why do I have to leave this physical body? Even though he knew he was grateful for the life he lived. So with that, the, that, um, that even I, I would get even Alex Trebek is, you know, he said, darn it, why now? You know, this is a time in life where I would love to do some questions and answers. Uh, you know, he was such an inquisitive man. And so I know that there's a part of him that said, screw, you know, in other words, you know, maybe. And and yet there was that, well, you know, I'm trusting where I'm going. And I think that that's, you know, if I can give any word to help anybody get through life is trust. You know, that if we can trust that when we go to the grocery store, we're going to get there okay. If we can trust that, that um, you know, like for me, you know, my, um, my school district is shut down. So my day job, which I'm always doing this kind of work just in different realms and, and modes, you know, I'm not this intuitive at school and I'd blow out, but you know, there's this, but yet my paycheck's going to go down. Now, do I stand in fear? Well, there's a little bit of humanness, but at the same time, I'm trusting. I'm trusting that there's a greater good for this. That as I've been keeping a positive, more positive attitude about this, that, you know, if we have this, you know, situation with COVID where it shuts us back down again, well, did we learn our lessons? Do I have to go through that another metamorphosis of being the butterfly, going into the cocoon, checking out what I've learned the first time? What am I supposed to do this time? You know, but life is telling me, no, I'm going forward. So don't worry about what's going to be shifting in the backside of this. You know, that there's this new knowing that's coming to me. And so I have to trust. And I say that I even learned that when my, I was only bringing in maybe $300 a month, you know, and I had to feed a family and I had small kids. Luckily, my husband had a job, but he was the alcoholic and didn't like to pay for anything in the house. So, you know, yes, he paid the house bills. Yes, he paid, but he liked the, you know, the electric bill, the phone bill and the mortgage because it was all the same amount every month. 
groceries, shoes, <laughs> school. It was all like this. And he didn't like those bills. So he didn't pay for them. So, you know, it's one of those things that, that, you know, but I had to trust because there's always a reason for something happening. Like me back then at $300 a month, I learned that that was about boundaries, you know, telling my family, I don't have enough money right now. And we're just going to have to not get what we always want, you know? So with that, the, the, if we can have that trust button, knowing that somebody somewhere in our belief system or non-belief system is listening, looking out for our greater good, that we're actually going to go somewhere in life. We're actually going to be okay. Even if we end up being homeless, but we got to look, maybe those people that we meet in the homeless shelters are the people that are going to send us off into our next journey. You know, we never know what this next step is and that's what this life is about but if i can just say anything please put that trust button in the back pocket and carry it with you if you can yeah i i kind of um the only thing i could compare what i think it's going to be like is things that have happened in this life i remember uh back in the 80s uh late 80s i was um uh a teacher at uh, for a clown school at the University of Wisconsin. They had a summer program to teach people if they wanted to be professional clowns and make a living of it. Um, I was one of the teachers there, and in the in the week that you're there, you build all these bonds. There's so much laughter. There's so much fun for this whole week, and you meet people from all over the world, and you get this bond. And then there's this sadness when you realize the next day, everybody's gonna be gone, you're not gonna see these people for a long time, or maybe some of them never again, but there's that sadness of like, oh, I wish I could just keep this, but yeah, you know, it's gonna be okay. You're just gonna be, you're gonna leave here, you're gonna go on to another chapter in your life, everything's gonna be okay. Um, and the same feeling I had with, uh, when I used to do plays, and I was in a play, and you, you know, you do six weeks or eight weeks of rehearsal, and then you have the play that runs, and then there's that last night of the play and the cast party afterwards or something, and you know you're moving on, you know? It's like, here's this cast, and you're gonna miss all these people, you have this bond, but something in you, it's, just, it's okay, because you're gonna go to your, there's gonna be another play, you know, you're gonna go on to the next. So I kind of look at it like that, because when I, you know, someone thought I had stage four cancer when it was just, um, it was, um, it ended up being, uh, I spent a month in the hospital. It took them two weeks to find out what it actually was. They took a biopsy and it was uh, just valley fever that you can only get in parts of California, Arizona, and a little bit of Mexico. <clears throat> just you're driving down the road and you get a, this spore that could be in the air if you breathe this little tiny spore in your lungs and then it, it just starts, you know, killing you uh, from your lungs. And, um, uh, I remember laying there and just thinking my life had been great and everything. And I was really sad for a couple of days thinking, well, this might be it. And, mm -hmm. and you just, you get resolved to it and you realize it's going to be okay. You know, especially in the work that we all do here that we're doing, you know, we know it's going to be okay. And that helps, you know, uh, but there is, there still is that, like that process you go through, like, uh, like you go through when someone dies or something where, you know, you have some disappointment and then anger, maybe a little bit and whatever, but um, because of the work I do, it helped me go through those stages really quick with myself and go, okay, here we go. <laughs> if I'm going to live, I'm going to live. I'm going to die. I'm going to die, you know. And by the way, uh, the reason I can tell you the reason why 
you had a budget of 300 bucks and your husband wasn't willing to cover more of it when he was an alcoholic. And that was because the other bills were set. He knew what he had. So therefore he knew how much money he could spend on booze and pot. And, uh, and if anything that disrupted that was a problem. And the other thing is, since you're not going to school as much, you've got time for people to call you to do a session. And so if they want to call you to do that, how do they do that? You can get a hold of me at www.angelicclarifications.com or Natasha at angelicclarifications.com, which is my email. And yes, that's what I'm, that's what I'm like going. Yeah, there's that opportunity, but I'm going to say my husband was an oddball being in the alcoholic. He, and I, I swear it's his mother <laughs> in him, because my mother could pick up dollar off the, off the street and go to the thrift store and buy something for a dollar. So, I mean, my, so he was always one that he had a budget. We always had money in the bank. He actually put more money in the bank, even though he was drinking, because he had a budget that he stayed on. I don't know the... There, I think that's why I stayed with him for for all those years because there was this part of him that wasn't the alcohol. You know, He's there's just that. yeah, there was something that wasn't the alcohol, and and so, and I think especially when I saw him picking up my mom with Lou Gehrig's disease, and even though he was drunk, he was able to put his hands underneath her his her armpits and just lightly pick her up and set her. And then put her back in bed. There was just something about him. So we're not going to go there in the conversation. But there is something about there again. If we just trust the process of life, does come through. We just got to keep walking forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Regan, what do you think about that too? About what? What do you think about what do you think about what Natasha just said? Well, <clears throat> she got me thinking about addictions and things like. Yeah, um, do that. Go ahead. Yeah. Like I've had two in my life and I'm glad people stuck with me because I mean, I knew as I've gone through the addictions that, 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 that in a sense, that was the false self of me forward that just wasn't dealing with life and, and that I really wasn't, um, it really wasn't the addiction, <laughs> although for a while it seemed like I was, but I was more than that. Um, and I've always wondered about that, just having gone through two myself, and it's been 20-something years, maybe almost 30 since I've had to deal with those. But I look back at that myself at that time, and it it's just weird how you look back and you go, wow, that was just another me in this life, you know. But somehow, um, I don't know, I've been to, uh, even with some of my clients now, because I deal with a lot of people that have addictions and things, and I've gone to like AA meetings with them or Al-Anon with them for you know, some of my clients whose spouses and, and everything have addictions and all these 12 step programs. And it's, it's kind of, I really, for the most part, think they're really, really beneficial. Like there's some things I don't like when you have to go in and you say, I'm an alcoholic or something, you know, that bothers me a little bit because a lot of people have gone past that and they're not anymore, but they still have them. When you go to the meeting, you have to say that you are, you know, but that's, I see the benefit of that too, because it's people just getting real with themselves and not, you know, not uh, <clears throat> not sweeping things under the rug. Um, uh, but I've been that's with- what my I, husband, And that's what my husband says too. Even though he's 
um, it was almost like he had um, where somebody did a suction cup off of alcoholism out of him that um, he says me saying that weekly and, and he goes just weekly um, he says that it reminds me not to go back there yeah yeah that's the good that's the good part of it you know I have a question for you, Natasha, and, and, and you too, Regan. As far as addictions go, uh, Natasha, do you think – now, have you been in touch with uh, your husband's guides to determine if they had a major hand in lifting the uh, scourge of addiction off of him? Have you, have you done that exercise? Okay. Um, so this is my perspective on addictions, that there's, um, we, we, in this process of this, um, life between lives, we've talked about addiction or, uh, entities that attach to us. And I call one, there's alcoholism, there's drugs, there's an entity that attaches to that person. When that addiction leaves, so does that entity. Now there has been lots of entities that I took off my husband through the years. And some of them weren't very pretty looking. I would say also his angel, when he got sober, finally went. <sighs> <laughs> this man has been hit in the back end and did 360s in tunnels. He has, um, he's, uh, you know, walked on or been on cliffs and grabbed the last twig as he's, um, as he's uh, come down off the cliff before he went into the water. Uh, and if anybody knows Deception Pass, they know it's not a quick fall. <laughs> no, it's a pretty fall, but it's not also, a quick fall. We have this one road that is like this on the edge of a river. He was on a three-day binge. He couldn't even walk straight. He would fall down. He drove up that and got to where he needed to go. And it was over a, over a 40 minute drive on this curvy road where it, it was in the dark too. So his angel literally went <laughs> because there was this, but he, he, when he got that, and I'm going to call it that suction cut, it was almost like they used a vacuum on him and cleaned out his, his ucks, his ickies is whatever you want to call them. And then um, what ended up happening was he got new guides in that helped him through the transition. Because this is my observation, and I mean this with love, that when somebody with an addiction, like he started drinking when he was 12 or 14. So there was a part of his maturity that stopped at 12 and 14 of dealing with life. Because he was always drunk after that or high after that. And so during that process of him getting sober, he had to mature. There's a part of him that had to mature, even though he was, you know, almost a 50 year old man, he had to be, he had to let that 14, 12, 14 year old young man mature to know how to manage some of his emotions. And he had guides with that. He had um, angels with them. He had a lot of different things. He also had me. <laughs> which is which is why your your site is called angelic uh, clarifications because, because <laughs> yes. you're the angelic and you were clarifying to him how important you were to him. there was many times i had just hold him and and said i love you even though yeah. he didn't know what love was you so, know 
What's it like, and Regan, maybe you can speak to this too. What's it like to go on a three-day bender? I can't imagine. Yeah. Waking up, <laughs> find, going, going to uh, uh, start drinking in your house, and then you end up like in 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 a ditch in a place you've never been in your entire life. How how does that how does that happen? Well, I, alcohol wasn't my issue. Mine was sex. I was a, had a sex sexual addiction, and um, I don't know if, if 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 we went over this last week or it was another show I was on in the last few weeks where I talked about how one of my addictions I had and how it went away. Did I, did I talk about that last time? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just, it, it, I got to the lowest point and just, just said, God, I can't handle this anymore. Um, Which is like the, one of the things that you say in a 12 step program, you know, where you just got to leave yourself to the higher power. And then, um, you know, in the dream that night, I had all those guides, angels that came in and, you know, in uh, the next morning, I didn't have the addiction. It was just weird. I didn't have to even go through a 12-step. just was lifted from me. So that, that's, that served several purposes. One, it got me through that addiction where I could kind of feel like I had my senses back or I could be more myself again. Um, and um, But more so than that, it proved to me that, that we have help from the other side. You know, I mean, that was a, that, that just, any doubts I had just boom, you know, okay, they're there for you. If you really mm-hmm. want to connect to them on the other side. And I think people that now, if, if you're listening anybody out there and you have an addiction and that, and you, you're just, you're, you just, you know, you're just feeling like you just can't deal with it. You can't, there's nothing you can do. I mean, um, if you just, uh, you know, pray, meditate or whatever you have and just, verbally even you know ask that whoever's watching you out there that you're willing to listen and if they can help you in any way and a lot of times that's what the other side's just waiting for is for you to wake up to the point of acknowledging that they're there is that right natasha yes and then yes that's that's the the thing is that i can tell you that my husband had doorways where he could have woken up and finally it took him um, being on our dead end road in front of all our neighbors and getting caught by two cops and um, watching himself get videotaped before he really went, oh, but I can tell you that he saw at that moment that if he didn't go to his higher belief at that minute when he was on that road, he knew that there was a doorway and he knew that I wasn't putting up with much more. <laughs> yeah. and so he was going to either have to get his stuff together or he was going to lose me and there's something in him like i said there there's something that has been through our whole relationship there's something in him that had some kind of um oh oh in him i don't i don't know what it was i can't speak for him but there was something in him that just went oh yeah, there's, there's something about it, the truth in that, that uh, for a person to get off an addiction, they, they have to hit their lowest low. You know, sometimes you think they've hit it, but no, <laughs> they got to go lower, you know, lower and lower. You know, I've had some clients that have been in uh, rehab for one of them eight times, but oh, I wow. think that, I think this time he's, uh, I think this time he might do it, you know, um, and others one time they're out, you know, but I, uh, <clears throat> If you look at the statistics, statistics even even um, uh, like AA, I mean the the people that actually 
become non-alcoholic from that. It's a small percentage still. You know, I mean, it ends up being a lot because a lot of people go there, but people people don't realize that it's a process. You know, a person, it, it, it encompasses all areas of their life until they can kind of deal with it. The thing that I like is <clears throat> a lot of people that I have that are post-traumatic stress that I work with um, that have alcohol and, and issues and that once we work with them and we start removing and curing them of the PTSD, then a lot of their addictions just go away, you know, because they don't have to hide from anything. They don't have to numb themselves from feeling that. Matter of fact, Natasha, I've got a, uh, I'm, I'll be seeing her hopefully on Wednesday or Thursday, a client of mine I just had yesterday. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. I just had a, the first major breakup in her life. Mm -hmm. And oh, you know, she was coming for a life between life session. But when she walked in and sat down, I could just see something was going on with her. And I didn't know, obviously, she was, a, you know, scared of having this, what she's going to find on the other side. But no, she just, her boyfriend just broke up with her. And it was the first meaningful relationship she had in mm -hmm. her life. And uh, so I said, well, we might not get to heaven today because I think what, you, <laughs> what you're dealing with now is right on your plate. So that's what it ended up being. We did the EFT, the tapping, which helped her a lot. Um, and then I put her in hypnosis and, and had her imagine being on an island where everything was safe and calm and she's totally free. <clears throat> and then inviting her boyfriend to, to come to the island in his soul self and have a conversation with him. And that seemed to help her a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and trying to impress on her that she needs to look at this from her higher self as if standing beside herself, looking at the situation, realizing that what she's learning from this, uh, that it's going to be okay. And she's going to be, you know, I, and I assured her that when she gets through this, she's going to be more kind, compassionate and spiritual probably because she's been through some fire, you know, there that's going to help her. But um, I told her about you and I said, I said, well, you might be able to give her some insight too. And she says, really? And I go, yeah. So, but then we, session in, I forgot to give you information. So you just reminded okay. me. Yeah. I no think worries. you could help her. There, you know, and that's the thing is, is that right now in life, we're going through so many shifts and changes that, you know, if, if my husband didn't do this shift in him, we would have had to separate because I was becoming, I don't want to call him more enlightened but my awareness in life was different than his, you know, and that's the thing is, is that many times we have people in our lives just to get us to a plateau so we can start jumping off and going to another place and they need to go to another place. And it's just amazing how things come in our lives for just a short moment to kind of give us a kick in the butt. <laughs> yeah, you. <clears throat> we need to learn. And some, sometimes we're lucky enough to keep it happening I would say though, me like working in my elementary school, that if I look back at all the endings that happened inside of that, that title, and if I didn't move through all those endings to the new beginnings, I wouldn't be who I am today. And, and even in my relationship with my husband, there's been these times where we've done this, gone away from each other <laughs> and come back together. And if we didn't do that, we wouldn't become enlightened. And yeah. And that's that whole process of life is, is that sometimes we got to let go. Like the time when I told my husband, as he was becoming sober, I love you. And I held him. But like when he told me, do you want to be my sober coach? And I said, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that wasn't, he, he didn't need to do this to me. 
he needed to stand on his own two feet. But there was a fine line between helping someone beyond their own two feet and supporting them in their day. Like I always ask him, how was your meeting? Yeah. You know, and, and can't, do you want to share anything about it? I ask him, do you want to share? I don't say, what, what did you talk about? I say, do you want to share? So that he can engage with me about it instead of me being the motherly figure and always coming at him. So, guys, yeah. since we're talking about life between lives, how much of that uh, was preordained, predestined, a good a good test that you set up for yourself? Uh, it's, it's like those two cops that uh, pulled your husband over in front of your house. That may have been a, a road mark in, 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 in the plan to get him to, to change his ways. How much, how much of that is by design, by destiny? How much of it is just pure dumbass luck? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, this is what's funny about this work because it's like, it's all over the place, you know? Like sometimes when I've had people, when they get to the other side and they're having a particular issue and then they find out that, oh, this was kind of one thing they wanted to go through, like they wanted to go through an addiction or something because of all they could learn from it, you know? And other times there's some souls that bit off more than they could chew down here. And they, 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 had, a, they had a plan and they got down here and they didn't put enough of their soul energy into their body. Uh, and all of a sudden they're overwhelmed about how difficult earth is down here and they get sidetracked and they get into addictions and things like that. Then they get to the other side and, you know, when they pass away and it's, they're just like, ah, oh, you know, I had all these plans and I just, I just, I got addicted to this stuff and I just, man, I just, you know, I didn't do it, you know? So it's, in, it's, it's an individual thing. Even clients that come to me and they say, well, should I, my husband's abusing me. And I said, should I leave? And I can't. I can't tell them that because sometimes they're sometimes they need to be with them. You know, they're part of their journey is to be there to support them and to take the abuse and everything for a while because there's light at the end of the tunnel on the other side for both of them. And sometimes it's like, you know, get the heck out, you know, I mean, and I tell them they have to decide for themselves on what's best and go because I could be telling them the wrong thing. You know, um, I had a girlfriend one time that um, I loved dearly with her about a year and a half and she, she was diagnosed as you know bipolar and um, <clears throat> the doctor was switching meds all over the place and everything like that and she started she got violent with me a couple of times um, and um, my, my part of myself was saying well I should be a good person just stick with her um, and then I had a vision uh, and I, I was <clears throat> she was um, in I was on the on the I was walking along the beach and I looked out and she was drowning. And so I just ran and jumped in there and I get about halfway to her and I realized that I'm drowning myself now and that I couldn't get to her. And I had to, for me not to drown, I had to go back to the, to the beach and just let her drown, you know, <clears throat> but that was a wake up call for me saying, Regan, you just can't save everybody. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I realized that even though I thought of myself as this good guy and I could stick with anybody through anything. And I realized it wasn't in my makeup to do it. So <clears throat> sadly, we broke up, you know, we're still friends. But, um, you know, part of me for a while had to accept that fact that, hey, <laughs> I'm not this angel that can just do everything and be everything for everybody. I had to look at my own limits. So it was a big learning lesson for me, too. But as it worked out, it was the best thing for her because I was she was 15 years younger than I was. And I didn't want to have kids. She still wanted kids. She's got a beautiful 10 year old daughter now. 
and uh, got married and everything. And, um, you know, it just, it, we all, it was just worked out perfect, you know? So if you're if people listening out there, if you're with someone that's having an addiction, the best thing I'd say is go to Al-Anon or someplace to help you learn mm-hmm. how to deal with it. So you have the least amount of damage and then you have to figure out is, you know, do you want to tell this person that, you know, you get cleaned up or bye-bye, which is one choice, or you just live with it, or you just get the heck out and start over, you know? I've heard two different schools of thought on this particular subject, which is, and I'd love both of your opinions on it, which is you see somebody who's a homeless person on the side of the road or, or sitting on a park bench with their uh, a bottle of ripple and, and, or they're, or they're falling over and they're, or whatever the circumstances are, should you go over and help them or are you going to honor their life path? Natasha? <laughs> you <look laughs> She's like got you. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where I look at the situation. Because either way, I send love. Right. Yeah. I say hi. I, um, I acknowledge sometimes where I just even touch my heart and, and send it to them. You know, I send you my love. Uh, as I walk by someone who's maybe passed out or sleeping, I say, may an angel be with you. You know, I, I do things like that. If there's been times where I walked by someone and they asked me for a dollar and they said da 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 does, and I heard, please give them some money. And I trusted that. And I said, well, I only got this and that's what I gave him. Or, you know, I gave him not everything. I knew inside that he was probably going to go buy drugs on it with it. You know what I mean? But there's those times where I have to trust. Now, if I know that somebody's pouring down rain and there's an umbrella that has blown off and I'll go put the umbrella over somebody's head, you know, I'll be kind that way. But do I? There's a fine line between me going out of my life to help someone else. And it's a fine line. And I don't mean this with meanness. It's just, um, my life runs on a delicate balance too. And so it's like, there's that time where it's like, I'm a giver of care, but I'm not a caregiver. And there's sometimes where those realms need caregivers and I'm a giver of giver of care. So I'll support, I'll help, I'll listen, I'll, I'll do what I can. But even the man who was living in my house, I wasn't his caregiver. I was a giver of care. And so with that, there's a fine line about how I have to trust that intuition. And, you know, and I, and I want to take a moment here to say about addictions. I know many intuitive people who are covering up the voices in their head with drugs and alcohol because of the fact that in some past life, they were so sabotaged having a voice that they're so fearful now of having that inner voice speak to them that they're covering it up. And I would say my husband was one of them. He's very intuitive. And he just couldn't handle the voices in his head. He couldn't handle the grief that he had in his life, the unlove he felt. 
from somewhere. You know, there was just this part of him that just couldn't manage life. And so that's why he chose to do the drugs and alcohol. So with that, there, there's these things. And so when we trust a little bit more and walk through that, those voices, like Regan keeps saying, the darkness isn't always darkness. Those voices aren't all negative. It's how do we listen to them? You know, who do we listen to? There's a lot of people who are bipolar. And like I tell people, if, if people knew how many voices were in my head that were angels and guides, they thought I would be bipolar. But I know who to choose and trust. I know who to listen to. And I've struggled with my negative self. I've struggled with that negative being. And I told, told it to say, no, I said, sit down, no, so that I can be who I am today. And it just takes practice. Regan? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I've struggled with that on and off in my life. Like, you know, seeing a homeless person and sometimes walking by and then feeling guilty, like, and then part of me is going, oh, if I give it to them, this is gonna, they're just going to go buy more booze. It's going to make it worse for them. Um, and then other times I find myself being extremely generous, you know, like I'll walk by and I'll just feel maybe, maybe because it's not as direct as Natasha, where she seems to have a more, a really, you know, can hear, hear those voices more, but I kind of go by my intuition sometimes, you know, like I'll, I'll make the decision at that time and I'll, I'll do that. Um, my, uh, my significant other here, I, oh gosh, she's so generous. We've been someplace and I'll, I'll be, Right by, we'll see this guy, and I'll look and not hardly notice him, and she'll reach in and give the guy twenty bucks, you know, over and over again, and they just go, "Oh wow," you know. Um, I mean, one time I was when I was doing a comedy show for the Department of Justice, I was doing a, a custom comedy show for the California Department of Justice one time, and I walk outside and it's raining, and here's this man outside that's begging, and he's got a little one or two year old baby in the stroller and it's in the water and everything's coming down and getting soaked and everything. I went back in and told this guy department of justice and he went out and took, you know, reamed the guy for having his little baby out in the, out in the, uh, you know, when he should have had him been taking care of the baby, you know, but he was like using the baby, you know, to, uh, to do that. So uh, then we went off and we offered him like we could get him to a homeless shelter or whatever, and he wouldn't do it or anything. So, you know, it's just, that it's just the fact that he you know what he was doing but it's hard to know sometimes because sometimes I'll see someone's alcoholic and I'll just say hey I'll just give them 10 bucks maybe they need another beer so they can go deeper in there whatever they're doing so they can learn what they need to learn so I just tell I guess maybe if we're trying to give advice from from us three here I think he kind of I don't know either look up or ask for some inspiration to see if you get a yes or a no you know how it works not... oh, go ahead <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know how it works for me. One, one time I was in the uh, the. It, it, it always has to do with music. Always, every dang time has to do with music. Uh, one time I was in the uh, um, Safeway parking lot, and I was going to my car. I picked up a few items, and a gal came to, up to me, uh, disheveled, um, it, it hadn't been hadn't washed and stuff. And she said, "Do you have some money? We want to buy some bread." And I, I said, how, how can you turn down somebody who wants to buy some bread? And so I, I uh, opened my wallet, and all I had were two 20s. And so I gave her a 20 and said, 
here, buy, go buy some bread. She said, oh, my God, now we can have grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got, I got in my car, and I turned on the, uh, the ignition, and I had it on to my favorite rock station. And are you familiar with the song, Give a Little Bit? Oh, it came on. It, it, right at that moment, it was like, give a little bit, give a little bit of yours, you know, and it, it was, so it was like, all right, okay, thank you, I no, I did the right thing, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, hey, that's another show right there about uh, about these little things that happen, you know, oh uh, this, 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 yeah, and then you go, okay, thank you, I made the right decision, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is that if you're, if you're willing to be engaged in life to a certain point, you'll start seeing those, oh, you did the better choice. I don't want to call it the right choice. I'm going to call it the better choice because it wouldn't have been wrong or right if you would have done that. It would have been how do you sit with it and then what do you get out of it? Because now you've got a story that makes you feel like, okay, I was in sync with my life. You know, there's just these things that just kind of come about that you just kind of go, okay, and that's all I got to trust is, there's that word again, trust, that things are going to come. Because I know for me, there's a lot of times in my sessions, I have the conversation, are you a caregiver or are you a giver of care? And most of them say, I am so exhausted of caring for other people. And it's like, so there's these challenges that come into our lives that say, are you going to do it again? <laughs> You're really going to do it again? Why are you thinking about doing it again? To say, you know what, I'm, I'm sending you love. I'm sorry I don't have anything today. And blessings to you on your journey. You know, sometimes we have to say that to get it through the doorway to go to where we need to go. Yeah, is it? Go ahead. Go ahead, Kev. I was just going to say, Regan, in your work, do you ever get, uh, and you as well, Natasha, do you ever get people who come to you and they say, I am the martyr. Everybody picks on me and I just let everybody run over me and, and I'm so tired of them running over me, but I can't stop them running over me and, and stuff. And, and how do you deal with somebody who intentionally decides I'm the victim? Yeah, it, I find it, um, and it's very, very common with almost all of us. It's all about they haven't learned to set boundaries. In other words, you know, some people think they have to say yes, like the church asks them to do something, even if they don't want to, they'll say yes, because the church asks them, and then they, they're just, you know, for, you know, why did I do that? And then so they do what the church asks them the whole time they're doing it, they're being resentful and everything, because they didn't say no. So it's hard sometimes because we always think that to be a good person that you have to accommodate everybody all the time for everything they want. And you've learned that that's the most unhealthy way to be. Mm -hmm. So when I see people get their power back and what I try to do with people is just impart upon them that they don't have to be a, you know, a doormat for everybody, that they, they have to, they have to, um, uh, be selective in what they just, you know, decide to do and be sure that if they decide they say yes to something, that that's what they really want to do. In the anger thing that I went to for three years, that was one of the, one of the uh, things about the victim mode. Uh, there was a triangle and one of them is, <laughs> I should remember this now, like teaching it for so long. Okay. Um, is um, somebody asks you to do something and you, 
agree to it and you don't want to, well, that puts you in yourself in the victim mode, you know, that you feel like a victim. But the, 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 the one I remember the most was the worst one. And that's when you do something for somebody that they, that you don't want to do and they don't want you to do, <laughs> you know, in other words, maybe you're, 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 um, some of your staying with you clean the kitchen a certain way and um, you don't like the way they cleaned it, you know. So instead of, you know, them asking you, can you help me do it? You just go and they see you going behind them and cleaning up things that they didn't do right. You know, they never asked you to and you just volunteered it. So you're doing something for them that they don't even want you to do. That's the double stupid thing that you feel like a victim or something, you know. That's so, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you have to you have to learn to say no. And that's been hard for me. I'm getting a lot better at it and I feel good when I'm that way. Well, and that's where I always use, is this a healthy eye or an unhealthy eye? The health, the healthy eye kind of says, you know what, you know, coming home from work, I'm really tired tonight. You know, if somebody asks you to go out, I'm really tired. I just, I know that if I don't go to bed tonight, I'm just going to be, um, it, you know, it's just going to ring me and, and, and torture me for the next couple of days. And staying home would be the healthy eye. Going out would be the unhealthy eye. They're again doing something like in church and saying, you know, the, the, the minister or pastor says, can you do this for me? Because they always know you'll say yes. Um, and you go, and you say, yes, that's an unhealthy eye. But yet breaking the habit of saying I, you can maybe say, I can do it, but I need somebody to help me. And so then that would be practicing to have a healthy eye. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So there's these, there's these situations that when we ask those questions, is this a healthy eye? Even eating certain foods, does this create a healthy eye? Or does this create an unhealthy eye? You know, it, it's just one of those things that though, that's kind of one of those questions that we can ask to kind of set up personal boundaries or boundaries with somebody else. Is this a healthy eye for me or is this an unhealthy eye for me? Yeah. Um, it, maybe sometime we'll talk about uh, Enneagram. Are you either familiar with Enneagram? It's a, it's a used by a lot of us, us people that deal in psychology and stuff. And it's like, you know, it seems like that God's created nine different softwares, you know, <laughs> and one of the number two on that is called the helper. And they're the type of people that just, they just, they're just there. They just, they just love to help. They love to be of service and everything like that. But in the downside to that is they become resentful a lot of times because people aren't doing the same for them. And they don't realize that everybody isn't just like them. So that, you know, they'll come into me and they'll go, you know, all I'm doing, I'm doing this for my husband and I'm doing this for my kids and I'm doing that and I'm doing everything and nobody's doing anything for me, you know. And the, their lesson in life, their spiritual lesson, is to learn to just give unconditionally and that people don't, you know, you don't have to, uh, doesn't have to be all equal, you know, that what you're giving out, you're not, you don't always have to get back in kind, you know, so uh, once they learn to do that, like number twos, famous number twos are like Mother Teresa, Jesus, you know, um, a lot of f famous people that when you see their name, you go, oh my gosh, they're people that are always helping people and doing things for others, you know? So, 
Exactly. Well, I've got a question for both of you as, as we wrap up this this podcast because we're going on about an hour, which is what we've agreed to, and so we want to mm-hmm. hold to our boundaries. But um, what I wanted to ask both of you, because both of you I consider to be very enlightened as far as your work <laughs> and what you do, um, the question that I have for you is this. When you have a big decision to make, mm-hmm. When you are thinking about what's going to happen to you in the future and how do you, how do you frame it to talk to the other side and what answers do you get and what answers do you accept? Natasha? Well, I'm going to use an example right now. I am looking at buying a table for my, so I can do sessions. If somebody wants to do sessions with me personally, that's a little bit bigger. Um, but And it's bigger for me to set my computer on because I'm using a small table right now. And it's kind of one of those things that I'm like, should I buy it? Should I not buy it? And my team is saying it's kind of a personal choice. And so I'm kind of tapping in. How does that table feel to me? Being in, I can kind of picture it here. I'm like going... It might work. So with that, that I I kind of take a moment. People don't take moments before they're making decisions. And like I I did a session where somebody was on the hamster wheel, and I said, "Remember a hamster that when they start making and they start spinning around and they get flipped around? Well, sometimes we have to kind of get into a rhythm of a hamster wheel, and just kind of go okay, and making those decisions. Our bodies know." You know, like me, I'm checking in with the table and I'm getting more of an upper feeling in my body. So there's this upper feeling that's come to me. So I'm kind of like going, well, yeah, that can make it. So like people who are caregivers, you know, and they're making those decisions, check in with the body. When you're saying yes to something, do you feel heavy and low? Or is this something going, actually, this would feel good to me. You know, check in and see that you know, what we need to do. Because sometimes this COVID thing, a lot of times has been our battery, charging our batteries. It's about, many of us have been on this hamster wheel going and we haven't taken care of us. And we had to learn how to take care of us. That's true. Regan? Well, what I try to do is when I get it in my in my mind that I want something, um, I'll usually, um, you know, say to whatever, you know, my guides or God up there and say, this is what I, what I really, really would like, but only if it's something that's good for me. <laughs> so I'll say, if it's not good for me, please give me a sign or something. Cause otherwise I'm going to go do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. but what's funny about that, I just, it just made me think, you know, um, I've been thinking for months now and how to manifest a, uh, a new van because mine was so old, you know? <laughs> and so I don't know if this is part of the process or they're saying, well, you want a new van? Okay, we're going to have your engine blow up and, and uh, $4,000, I got to go pick it up tomorrow. I have to go, you know, <laughs> put it. So in a sense, I'm getting a new, I'm getting a new van. It's the same van, but it's been refurbished, you know? So, or you can sell it now because it's got a new motor. That's okay. That's what I was just going to say. So maybe, maybe you picked up on that, Natasha, because that was the other thing saying, because um, before, you know, it had so many miles on and everything. I thought, well, what can I get for it? But if I advertise, it's got a new motor, 
and I and I fix a few things on the outside, I'll get my money back. Yeah, and, and plus, mm -hmm. you know, that's good. You said that, Natasha. That's what, I really, that's what I'm wanting to hear. And that's the thing is, is that we have to be open up to possibilities. Because, like, when I was buying this house or buying a house, I had to make a decision: is this the house? Because there's always going to be something else. Yeah. There's always going to be, you know, another opportunity, and I have to go. Is this going to be something I can be comfortable with? Yeah. And, and like now, you know, when I when I get a hold of the person who's selling the table, I'm going to say, you know, I I'm getting a yes. I want the table, but if there's something that really says no to me when I when I look at it, is that an out for me? Yeah. And and if and, she doesn't accept that, I might have to move on to somebody else. Sure. Yeah. And here, here's a, this is so good. And I think it'll work for anybody listening. It's just a beautiful way to do it. Had a friend of mine who was very spiritually evolved. This was 30 years ago. And I remember it because I use it so much. And they were looking for a home. <clears throat> and the way he found his home, because, you know, you do your due diligence, you figure out how much you can afford, uh, what area you want to live in and so forth. But then he says to the higher power, to God, he says, what I'm really looking for here is a home to when I open the front door and I walk inside, I want to feel like I love my home, you know, and, um, and, and then he said it was funny because then they went out looking and, and nothing was in what they had planned everything. And this agent says, well, there's something, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's over in this area. So they went over there and they walked in and he had that feeling and he goes, Oh my gosh, this is it. You know, he just knew because it was like, this is my home. And, and, um, I think it's good for people who are wanting to date or meet a maid or something. That's what you should say about, you just want to be with someone in your life that when you walk in the door and you see them, you want that initial feeling to be, ah, oh, I just love this person, you know? Get a and, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, I did the same thing when I was rewriting my contract yeah. um, with my husband. You know, I, I said, <laughs> I'm done with the man in my life who dislikes himself. The man in my life will have love for himself, even through challenges. I didn't lay, name Rick. I didn't name Bo, Joe, or whoever that person was. I, I labeled the man. And, and I labeled man because that's who I choose to be with is man. You know, so with that, that's what I, I knew I was not going to give on that. But I wanted, I wanted someone who, who just had that enjoyment in life. You know, who, who had a breath, who knew how to take a breath in life and, and see it. And I can say it did it, that I actually got the man I was looking for. I didn't have to divorce him, but I was willing to accept that shifting moment. You know, I had to work through that shifting moment. And now I can say that he actually does a lot of what I was wishing for. You know, that he did, does take a breath before he gets angry. He does do the better, you know, those kinds of things, but it took time, but you got to put it out there where instead of having, I want a blue car with, with um, great transmission. I want a car that has, that has new everything or this or something better, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and make it so I can pay for it. You know, we got to remember the other side of it. This is something, and that's one thing this table is. It's something that's very reasonable for me to pay for. So I'm like going, hmm, it's right in my ballpark. So I'm going to have to double check, you know, because the yeah. universe is giving me what I'm looking for. 
Um, some souls have said, uh, like, um, we'll get into a whole other subject, we could talk about this another time, but on the other side, like when you're in heaven or whatever, and you think of something, you can manifest it instantly. And uh, some of the souls that come down in this body, they said one of the things that just blew their mind was, is that, okay, yes, you can manifest things here on earth, but man, is it slow compared to what they're used to. So that's why things like the secret where they tell you, you know, to think about it, put that energy and everything like that. That's how we manifest things down here. But you have to, you know, it, it usually takes a little more time. It's not generally instant, you know. Because there's um, humans involved. Yeah. Making other choices. That's where when I'm making a contract or goals, I always say, um, as soon as possible in human time and in universal time. So I've got yeah. both of them covered. <laughs> But, but with that, that I just hope that everybody can have blessings and this journey in life, it is a journey. And so just keep looking forward. Keep, keep just kind of leaning forward just because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring or the next minute is going to bring because every moment is a new opportunity to start new. You know what I really enjoy about this little discussion that we have is, see, from my frame of reference, what I do when I'm looking for something I just tell the other side, make it painfully obvious. And it's either going to be painfully, pain, painfully or lovingly, one of the two. I, I would be, say lovingly. And watch out for the painfully. Yeah. I went to <laughs> IE two surgeries or three surgeries. <laughs> well, you know, that happens. And it did me. And, but, but it's either through a song, through something I, I read, through something that somebody says just randomly. Um, and it, a lot of times it validates exactly what I'm after and, uh, and, 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 and just following and then following those dictates. And they, th that works for me. It's, it's very much the, uh, the, um, um, the secret kind of deal. So, mm -hmm. but, but yeah. I, I believe, see, but here's the thing. Had I not fallen and hurt my shoulder, See, this is this is the universe's uh, funny way of knowing me better than me. <laughs> because if I had not, if I had, I fell and I, I tore my rotator cuff, had to have surgery on that, and they said, "No, I'm sorry, that's not enough," because we didn't hurt you badly enough that you're going to end up thinking that you can go back to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to rip up your other arm when you fall, and then we're going to have surgery on that one, and that one you won't be able to go back to work for. So now you're going to be 